Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia, I'm here with Joel, and we're sitting across from Chloe Higgins. Welcome, Chloe. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. Um, this is such a difficult book to talk about, <laughs> and uh, I don't want to have a difficult conversation with you. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I guess I wanted to start a bit by talking about how the publishing process came out, how you got published and, and that your journey to publication. Yeah. Um, well, I started writing uh, in about 2007 and initially it was just for myself um, and kind of diarying, I guess, um, after the accident that uh, took the lives of my two sisters had happened about two years after that. And then I thought that I wanted to kind of write in a way that might be more for publication. And so I, um, after I'd been diarying for a couple of years, um, started trying to write a book um, about the accident and our family and the grief. And I thought I could do it on my own. And I kind of, it took me a good four years to realize that I couldn't, um, because not only did I have the craft, uh, I didn't have the craft side of the skill set, but I also didn't have the process. Um, and so I went and studied writing um, at university for about five years and wrote fiction and developed both process and craft. And then um, when I started a PhD, came back to the original story that I wanted to tell, which is what is now The Girls. Um, and then in terms of getting kind of, you know, and you build up your stack of rejections as you go along, like I think that's just part and parcel of being a writer. But I don't know that I was submitting as much as a lot of other people that I know. Like for me, I just believe in doing your apprenticeship if you're going to write well. Mm. I don't think that the goal is to publish as quick as possible like that wasn't my goal my goal was to get my craft up to a high standard because I didn't want to live with shitty work out in the world and then um, I did like two different programs one in New York and then one in Canberra through the ACT Writer Centre called Hard Copy um, where you kind of do a few different weekends um, with like different workshops and and peers and stuff that kind of culminates um, in a weekend where they choose some of the writers to meet with some publishers and agents to get feedback um, on the on the writing and the proposal for the book and all that kind of stuff. And off the back of that process, um, I then signed with my agent, Jane Novak, and, um, and yeah, we kind of did a couple of edits together, a couple of small uh, changes, and then, yeah, she kind of did all the, the pitching and then the book went out on submission and the offers came in and then she kind of helped... Um, yeah, make that decision of who to go with. It's, awesome. it's yeah. a very exciting process. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah. that book is The Girls um, and it's a memoir of family, grief and sexuality. Did you want to tell us a little bit more about what it's about? Sure. Uh, so in 2005, when I was 17 years old, um, I stayed home studying for my because the first trial exam was the next day and my father went skiing with my two sisters Carly and Lisa as we did every year it was dad and us three girls and my mum would stay home because she hates the cold but we would all go and I stayed home because I wanted to to study um, but they still went that year and on the way back there was an accident that ended up uh, taking Carly and Lisa's life and so the book kind of starts from there and it's really about the aftermath of that accident. And, you know, me kind of going off the rails is kind of one 
um, in the kind of immediate four years, five years after the accident is one narrative thread through the book, but it's then kind of interwoven with the contemporary relationship dynamics between my parents and how we figure out how to meet each other's needs, but also look after our own mental health within the context of the shared grief, but also really different politics, really different worldviews, really different lifestyles, and how do you, you know, love other people and yourself within such the context of such difference and grief at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I can't imagine writing a book like this, uh, but then again, I can't imagine having gone through this. Um, how did you go about getting your head to, to the point where you could write about it? Or was it, you, you just said it sort of started as a, um, as something you did for yourself. Um, I, I was always writing about it. Almost as soon as it happened, I was writing about it. Like writing is the way that I process everything. Like I couldn't not write about it. I tried to not write about it when I wrote fiction for a few years, which just kind of then turned into thinly veiled memoir that I would call fiction. Like I was always going to write about it. Um, I just don't know any other way to process the mm. shit in my head, really. Yeah. Yeah, totally understandable. Yeah. It's interesting uh, that you had that willingness or just that compulsion to keep writing about it consider, considering there's like a real social and cultural reticence into even acknowledging grief even though it's something that we all will inevitably experience in our lives yeah I think um my strategy for so long in my life outside of writing was avoidance and even when I think about my lack of memories of my sisters that I feel kind of not always good about that I think stems from my natural inclination being avoid pain, avoid pain, avoid pain. Don't think about the hard things. Don't express my emotions. Like don't cry. Don't tell people how much you love them. Don't. So that was my everyday world. And yet on the page, it's just the opposite of that for whatever reason. Like the hard things and the questions in my stomach, like that's just the stuff that I want to write about. And then did kind of start to flow over where the writing then helped me start to be able to have those conversations off the page as well. That is very good to hear. Um, so one of the things I found fascinating and engaging about this book is this sense of uh, time that you have in the book and how you structured the, the narrative. Can you tell us a bit about how that sort of came together? Was that always the intention? Oh, I don't bloody know. I hate structure. No, it's so hard. It was really organic. Like it wasn't something that I, you know, when I, when I was writing fiction and when I was at uni, I was very much writing from my head and, but, and the, and the, and the work lacked depth and nuance, but this book, this book is my liver on the page. And actually, especially those early drafts that kind of playing with time, um, and even the structure was kind of organic. It wasn't like an intellectual decision. And thank God I had two incredible editors, so my PhD supervisor who I wrote um, the book alongside or, you know, and then my um, editor at Picador, Matilda. Like I feel like they kind of helped me then smooth out some of the the problems with the time because it had been – so kind of organic and non-intellectualized when I'd kind of done it myself they kind of helped smooth out some of those timelines but I still feel like the timelines are kind of messy and but I mean you that know. feels 
right though yeah i yeah. mean i think yeah. if it had been this rigidly structured narrative where you jump exactly 15 years into the past and exactly 10 years you know that i think yeah. that wouldn't have worked yeah. you're following a thread each time you jump it feels to me and also that's like yeah well that's the way your mind works right like you can be at dinner having a conversation about a party that happened 10 years ago but then your mind will flip to like a shameful memory two years ago and then someone will bring up a funny story that happened like like that is how we move through time, right? I mm. think, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And those shameful memories, you do it such a great job of that. And I mean, I'm a big brother myself and of three, three brothers. And there was so much in this, even though I haven't experienced what you experienced. I have felt extreme shame at the way I treated my brothers over the years now that we're all adults and a lot of the time I go and talk to them about it and they don't even remember <laughs> you know but you don't have that opportunity and I don't know how I would cope with that but I can't it took me till adulthood to reckon with it and I don't know how you dealt with that how did you how did you did you set out to record those moments or does that did that come organically out of the writing experience I think the book is very much a book about shame and I think, um, you know, someone said to me the other day, you know, now that you've sold all your secrets, what are you? And I thought, wow, like you don't, you actually don't get this, do you? Like this is like, like this is like about stepping out of shame and opening dialogue about socially stigmatized topics and encouraging other people to put those questions that are eating their liver inside to bring them out and share them with other people and how what a difference that makes you know um yeah like i'm just sick of people not talking about the hard stuff Mm. yeah absolutely i had i've had friends um who've gone through serious grief and the thing that they have all said to me eventually is people just don't ask me about it yeah because people are afraid to ask you right yeah i mean i don't know you don't know what to do with that i mean it is Mm -hmm. such a taboo in our culture um what do you think was that just in your mind from the beginning that was part of the process um no but when people started reading the book i remember them being like oh wow, you're so honest and like, wow, I can't believe you're like writing so honestly. And I think for so long I couldn't really be honest in, not in who I was, but like I was always ashamed of something, some part of me. And it just never occurred to me to not write the hard stuff, the ugly stuff, the shameful stuff. Like it just, I didn't even realise that I was doing it until it was done really. Yeah. Mm. Um. I was curious about the audience for this book. Uh, and I know audience can change as you write a book, obviously, sometimes, and given that you started it as, as a sort of diary. But as you went on, how much of this was, you know, did you have your parents in mind as readers when you wrote it? I didn't have any readers in mind. I couldn't, you can't write this kind of work and no. expect yourself to be honest and be thinking about audience. And at what point did you start to think about audience? I don't think I have. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have a publicist for that, right? And a publisher. <laughs> I I did not expect that answer. <laughs> That's so interesting. So this is a terrifying process for you from now on. No, I'm not against marketing the book. I'm a lot for marketing mm. the book. But I think if you're writing for an audience, you're writing from your head. And I'm not interested in work that comes from the head. I want to know what's in your stomach. 
Like that's all I'm interested in. Mm. And I think this is the kind of book that it will find its way to any reader and they may not have a common thread, but we all experience shame. We all experience grief, like I said, and we all have our own way of dealing with those and the people will be drawn to the book if they are at all engaged with it or interested in this idea of engaging with the hard stuff in life. Yeah. 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 I loved that image you used in the book and it's something that I really empathised with, um, that idea of like conjuring up the worst possible thing that could happen and yeah. then, and then cross, mentally sort of crossing <laughs> it out. Yeah, I, I still totally, do it. I, I still totally do, it. do that. Yes. And I, I, really? I, to the, I don't get to the crossing out bit. I just will sit and think about it and it's just there as if like this could happen, this could happen, just oh, be prepared. No. I can't cross it out though. Really? Yeah. I have a vivid, vivid, and so you were like in the in the book. You were saying something like nobody else feels this way, or, or something like that. And I thought, I I feel that way all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh, you do the crosses too. Yeah, and mentally, you have to force yourself to go. No, that's not likely to happen, and just like push it aside. Oh no, I I know I have, I can't I have to do the cross. <laughs> yeah, but Still. mentally, mentally, there's like a yeah. 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 There's a there's a cancellation process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that I mean I, I was amazed at how um empathetic this book is. Um for something that's happened to you that is, you know, does not happen to everybody in the same way. Obviously everyone in their lives they're going to deal with grief, mm. but this is a different type of grief at a different level from what most people will experience. And I want to make sure people listening realize that this is not some hard slog of a book. This is amazingly empathetic and I was swept away in reading it. it it's sad I mean very sad but it is there are moments throughout where I feel like you really capture some sort of essential humanness um, and I don't really have a question I'm just <laughs> <laughs> heading towards something and I don't know what <laughs> actually the when when I say I've never thought of audience you just reminded me of something with that comment that when I wrote it, I wanted, I, I wanted it to be a page turner. Mm. I remember thinking I want it to be a page turner. And I remember um, mentioning that to my PhD supervisor and he's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this traditional narrative arc of like, you know, I was sad and, and now I'm redeemed. And, da, da, da. but that, I don't think that's what I meant actually. I think maybe it's what you're talking about, right? Like it's talking about yeah. two, some hard topics, but it's also like, holy fuck, this is a ride of a journey. Like Jesus, like, you know, it's spread across continents. It's mm. drugs, sex, rock and roll. Like there's so much crazy shit that happens in the book, right? Yeah. But that runs alongside this kind of domestic grief of my parents as, and I, you know. And I really wanted to have those two things intertwined to the point where structurally it does literally alternate between those two paces, I think. Absolutely. And it feels like you never know what you're going to get. You know, <laughs> like you could, as you read, there's, there's lots of text breaks and just like, I don't know what the next page is going to bring me. It, even though it's so that p- part of the structure is very strange because obviously the biggest event in the book happened before the narrative, mm, you yeah. know, Um so I just, I just thought it was a fascinating way to write and an interesting um, narrative voice to to use. Obviously, yeah, people don't always plan these things, but it came out really well. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of nonfiction that is kind of heading towards that page turner. Like, like there's this phrase that I, I I don't like the phrase that they say like this nonfiction reads like fiction, and it's like, well, 
I love that. Why do you like that phrase? <laughs> I just. I love that I, phrase. Too. <laughs> that's like my goal. <laughs> I don't know. I was not expecting to have to interrogate this myself. <laughs> but I just feel like it's, you know, this actually happened and it feels like there's an, a level of artifice to it when people say that. But and I don't think so. I think. Interesting. Uh, my uh, as now non-fiction category manager, <laughs> <laughs> I have read more non-fiction in the last six months than I've read mm. uh, probably for my whole life. Honestly, I I read a lot journalistically, but don't I haven't read many non-fiction books, and I think there are so many that are novelistic, and mm. they're often my favourite. Mm. Uh, very, they're just trying to achieve something completely different to what uh, uh, you know a more heavy non-fiction book is and yeah very different type of very different types it's almost like yeah so maybe it's just I'm reading more non-fiction and I'm noticing that or maybe that's just what I'm naturally drawn to but it's just it's an it's interesting that there is this I don't want to call it a trend because you I know think these it is. Are, but it's people's stories you know people aren't just writing these stories and like I'm going to write it like this because this is the latest craze is it more just a willingness to emotionally engage with the hard shit do we think but I don't know. I mean, there's also hard shit in fiction, right? But mm. I don't know. I mean, you, Joel, might have a better perspective on, on why this is than, than me, really. I feel like I'm <laughs> kind of – I mean, you've got this kind of perspective, right, on, on industry. about. I don't know. I, I think there is something in the culture at the moment where people want personal stories. And what the, all these things have in common is that they are coming from somewhere personal mm. and, or trying to capture someone else's personal mm-hmm. perspective. Mm. Um, and non-fiction that is not about perspective can't do this. Yeah. So that interiority that you have in a novel mm. um, can be captured in non-fiction. Yeah. I and love I, that. I love reading non-fiction and kind of educating myself on like various topics. But when it's dense, it's dense and it's hard slog. Whereas, you know, you can just get swept away in the beautiful bubble of a fiction work. And so to kind of have both in one for me is like A+. plus. Mm, absolutely. Um, well, I would love to keep talking and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of this book and obviously I would love to keep talking because all I do is talk. <laughs> I apologise. No, <laughs> this has been the it. Joel show uh, featuring Chloe again. <laughs> but I was just so excited about the book so I really um, wish you the best. Thanks so much for joining us and you can buy The Girls at booktopia.com.au right now. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.